Welcome. So to start uh, today's episode, just a few comments, a few observations about my own practice. It may be something that you're facing as well, or can certainly relate to to what I'm about to say. It seems to be that there's been many thoughts about being present, but there hasn't been a huge consistency in being in the present moment. Perhaps much of that can be pointed to my mental health and the challenges that arise with that. So there is the the thought or the wanting to be present, but it it often remains as just the thought. Almost as if the mind has slipped in and is trying to say that the thought about being present is good enough. You can now come back to mind. <laughs> of course, with the the difficulty of mind and the energy of mind, especially my circumstances, it's has a great magnetic pull to remain in the mind. Part of that is to do with the idea or the thought of being heard. The difficulties of the mind I'm experiencing for that to be heard, whether through, through labels, through explanations, to be almost validated. So the way I see it is it, these things are only relatively important in the ultimate importance there is just the simplicity of this moment but that's not to say that I can ignore all the rest or the rest you know needs to be ignored there is a for me at least I, I believe there is a a time and there is a place to address certain difficulties for me it's dysfunction of the mind So there's almost a balance that I'm, I'm trying to strike where it's assessing the health of the mind, 
getting you know, help in that regard and getting clarity on that as well so I'm in the process of doing and then and then there is the main practice of being in the here and now and I found it difficult to to come back to the present moment once I've gone into mind or I've given my attention to the thoughts and assessing myself and some things I can do to to get some clarification in regards to mental health and it's been quite difficult to then step out of of that mind stream and back back to the present moment it's almost as if the mind is saying you need to stay in this mind stream for it to for it to continue for the actions you want to happen for those to happen you need to stay with the thoughts at the moment you drop them then you'll be mentally lost once again there'll be no help <laughs> so so in some ways it, ca it can be complex when you look at you know I look at my issues I'm, I'm going through with the mind and the, the layers within that and then on another level it's very simple there's the mind energy and there is the now sometimes you can acknowledge the complexity of the situation you can also acknowledge the simplicity as well it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other the simplicity is that there is just this moment simplicity is can you accept what is in this moment and the what is may to the mind may seem like injustice or may seem unfair may seem this may seem that but in the now it just is There is no mental commentary, there is no, in the now, perhaps it's accurate to say there is no unfairness in the now. noticed also is the the relief and the the healing qualities of the present moment where I find myself in the mind and a huge amount of stressful thoughts perhaps some fear as well 
and then the contrast of being able to step into denial out of necessity to survive the thoughts were so so difficult to deal with that there was and I noticed he, almost a tranquility just stepping in from this huge rainstorm dark clouds around you and then suddenly the clear sky so it seems as if you know many situations yes there, there are challenges there but they can also teach us a great deal and for me it's the unwellness of being deep in thought ruminating analyzing and again there's a place to to take time out to analyze certain things and address them and take action plan but then there's the noticing when it becomes an unhealthy it has an unhealthy impact on on health so for me it was clear that yes there were still things that needed to be or potentially needed to be fought through but in in this moment there was a great deal of of mental pain so if i was to continue down this path of you know grinding away to try and get clarity in thought and in the mind it, it could be very damaging there so there's a moment of acknowledging that and for me what I what I did is I did some journaling a little bit of journaling and and within the journaling there was the acknowledgement that okay this is enough it's, it's time to drop this for the moment and get some some rest from our thoughts step into what's real the reality of now so that's something I'm I'm facing with the the attraction, the pull of being in thoughts and the perhaps that is covering up the the time spent in the present moment maybe it's also the desire to be present as well is not is not there sometimes it's very strong to want to step into the present moment to be aware but perhaps this is all mind but there is thoughts of not being motivated or desire to be present when of course there's always acknowledging the essence of who we are which is awareness itself perhaps it's important to distinguish the the duality 
in, in certain statements that we can say and so in, in some ways it's not the true me that's not motivated it's the it's the mind-made self that's that doesn't want to be present sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't Sometimes it wants to be in alignment of now, it wants to, other times it's, it's, it wants my attention, my awareness, the focus to be, within the thoughts to be within the pain. And we, we just touched upon, gone through the chapter of pain body. And one of the elements of pain body when it wants to feed is it wants your thoughts, it wants your attention. It's the way it stays alive. So and sometimes it can be quite subtle when it's some, sometimes it's not easy to distinguish is this pain body or is this just the energy of mind? I think Eckhart gives one example to distinguish whether this is a you know a movement of the pain body where um, trying to think of the words he uses where some think the reaction doesn't equal the cause um, like an example if someone you know cuts you off when you're driving or there's some sort of small disagreement and then from that there's a huge reaction that doesn't equal that you know by the end of that you may feel like you know I, I don't want to live my life anymore and you can kind of sense that you're not reacting just to that moment, that either disagreement or that it's now provoked the pain body where now you're thinking about everything in your life and it doesn't equate the reaction to perhaps being a bit upset about somebody doing something to you now. It's it equates to so much more than that and I may not have put this in the clearest way there's actually a word <laughs> that Eckhart uses to clearly uh, clearly explain this but it doesn't seem to come come to my mind in this way but just a note if your reaction is out of balance to to the cause of of something then it's it's a clear very likely then it's it's triggered the pain body the movement of that so it doesn't feel like there's a, there's any real plan needed in this because again plan means time time and time is not in the now so you know, we can always be tempted or I can be tempted to be saying okay for this next week I'm going to try and be present and this doesn't seem to there's nothing wrong with that in some ways but it doesn't seem to work for me right now perhaps it's just just taking this moment being aware of recording this episode and being aware that it, it acts as an anchor 
to be present in, in order for me to, to speak and to record presence is needed nothing is rehearsed or remembered or scripted it is just talking directly out of the experience Recently, I've been doing uh, recording some mental health vlogs, uh, which is all quite new to me. I'm, I'm usually I feel quite comfortable sitting here with just a microphone and audio, and but with the vlogs, there's a, a camera, and so just read recently uploading to to YouTube with, and it's been a bit scary to perhaps mention it here because there's a certain side of me here there's a this is obviously a more focused on spiritual practice and the present moment the way i'm talking is going to be in a different way to how i'd come across on on the vlogs perhaps there was some fear or anxiety about being found out <laughs> right obviously listening to these podcasts it's easy to make an impression about about the person talking here oh. so it's an idea that I oh, must be very spiritual this person <laughs> and other presumptions which are natural to mind to be curious but so the idea of the vlogs are just to talk a little bit more in depth in regards to my mental health and my journey with my mental health and the main purpose of me doing it is more just as an outlet, an outpouring of of things. So it's been a little bit difficult to kind of Yeah, to find its place for that. If it's if it's useful, if it's if it's going to harm or affect my sort of presence practice, is it? Sometimes you know the present moment. It gives you an almost. You can almost check in with that when you when you take an action when you do something. You can sense if it's is this mind or is this coming from a deeper space so with the vlogs themselves that's something I need to figure out if it's something that's just it's just a mind talking it's mind movements and or is there also something deeper there that that's at work that can that can help and of course this this goes to how it's received as well you know in this in this practice we want to kind of give in this way where it's not the the little me, the mind and the energy there's almost a, a transparency in in our essence sort of merging into our actions, our speech and it's coming from that space so I may be brave and include a link to those vlogs below and they're literally and not really designed for entertainment um, such as these episodes it's more just a a diary of what I'm going through and it's just a way to release to talk about things and 
And perhaps there's, there can never be too much awareness and, and talk about our, our mental health. So that's one thing to, that I've noted as well. So let's uh, continue with where we left off. And we are in uh, chapter 6 of uh, Breaking Free. And the passage we are reading is The Return of the Pain Body. I sat down at a table and ordered a meal. There were a few other guests. At a nearby table, there was a middle-aged man in a wheelchair who was just finishing his meal. He glanced at me once, briefly but intensely. A few minutes passed. Suddenly he became restless, agitated. His body began twitching. The waiter came to take his plate. The man started arguing with him. The food was no good. It was dreadful. Then why did you eat it? asked the waiter. And that really set him off. He started shouting, became abusive. Vile words were coming out of his mouth. Intense, violent hatred filled the room. One could feel that energy entering the cells of one's body, looking for something to latch onto. Now he was shouting at the other guests too, but for some strange reason ignoring me completely as I sat in intense presence. I suspected that the universal human pain body had come back to tell me, you thought you defeated me, Look, I'm still here. I also considered the possibility that the released energy field left behind after our session followed me to the restaurant and attached itself to the one person in whom it found a compatible vibrational frequency, that is to say, a heavy pain body. The manager opened the door just leave, just leave. The man zoomed out in his electric wheelchair, leaving everyone stunned. One minute later, he returned. His pain body wasn't finished yet. It needed more. He pushed open the door with his wheelchair, shouting obscenities. A waitress tried to stop him from coming in. He put his chair in fast forward and pinned her against a wall. Other guests jumped up and tried to pull him away, shouting, screaming, pandemonium. A little later a policeman arrived. The man became quiet was asked to leave and not return. The waitress fortunately was not hurt, except for bruises on her legs. 
when it was all over. The manager came to my table and asked me, half joking but perhaps feeling intuitively that there was some connection. Did you cause all this? The next passage is titled The Pain Body in Children Children's pain bodies sometimes manifest as moodiness or withdrawal. The child becomes sullen, refuses to interact and may sit in a corner hugging a doll or sucking a thumb. They can also manifest as weeping fits or temper tantrums. The child screams, may throw him or herself on the floor or become destructive. Thwarted wanting can easily trigger the pain body and in developing ego, the force of wanting can be intense. Parents may watch helplessly in incomprehension and disbelief as their little angel becomes transformed within a few seconds into a little monster. Where does all that unhappiness come from, they wonder. To a greater or lesser extent, it is the child's share of the collective pain body of humanity, which goes back to the very origin of the human ego. But the child may also already have taken on pain from his or her parents' pain bodies, and so the parents may see in the child a reflection of what is also in them. Highly sensitive children are particularly affected by their parents' pain bodies. Having to witness their parents' insane drama causes almost unbearable emotional pain. And so it is often these sensitive children who grow into adults with heavy pain bodies. Children are not fooled by parents who try to hide their pain body from them, who say to each other, we mustn't fight in front of the children. This usually means, while the parents make polite conversation, the home is pervaded with negative energy. Suppressed pain bodies are extremely toxic even more so than openly active ones, and the psychic toxicity is absorbed by the children and contributes to the development of their own pain body. Some children learn subliminally about ego and pain body simply by living with very unconscious parents. A woman whose parents both had strong egos and heavy pain bodies told me that often when her parents were shouting and screaming at each other, she would look at them 
and although she loved them, would say to herself, these people are nuts. How did I ever end up here? There was already an awareness in her of the insanity of living in such a way. That awareness helped reduce the amount of pain she absorbed from her parents. Parents often wonder how to deal with their child's pain body. The primary question is, of course, are they dealing with their own? Do they recognise it within themselves? Are they able to stay present enough when it becomes activated so that they can be aware of the emotion on the feeling level? before it gets a chance to turn into thinking and thus into an unhappy person. While the child is having a pain body attack, there isn't much you can do except to stay present so that you are not drawn into an emotional reaction. The child's pain body will only feed on it Pain bodies can be extremely dramatic. Don't buy into the drama. Don't take it too seriously. If the pain body was triggered by thwarted wanting, don't give in now to its demands. Otherwise, the child will learn the more unhappy I become, the more likely I am to get what I want. This is a recipe for dysfunction in later life. The pain body will be frustrated by your non-reaction and may briefly act up even more before it subsides. Fortunately, pain body episodes in children are usually more short-lived than in adults. A little while after it has subsided, or perhaps the next day, you can talk to the child about what happened. But don't tell the child about the pain body. Ask questions instead. For example, what was it that came over you yesterday when you wouldn't stop screaming? Do you remember? What did it feel like? Was it a good feeling? That thing that came over you, does it have a name? No. If it had a name, what would, what would it be called? If you could see it, what would it look like? Can you paint a picture of what it would look like? What happened to it when it went away? Did it go to sleep? Do you think it may come back? These are just a few suggested questions. All these questions are designed to awaken the witnessing faculty in the child, which is presence. 
they will help the child to disidentify from the pain body. You may also want to talk to the child about your own pain body using the child's terminology. The next time the child gets taken over by the pain body, you can say, it's come back, hasn't it? Use whatever words the child used when you talked about it. Direct the child's attention to what it feels like. Let your attitude be one of interest or curiosity rather than one of criticism and condemnation. It is likely, it is unlikely that this will stop the pain body in its tracks and it may appear that the child will not even be hearing you, yet some awareness will remain in the background of the child's consciousness even while the pain body is active. After a few times, the awareness will have grown stronger and the pain body will have weakened. The child is growing in presence. One day you may find that the child is the one to point out to you that your own pain body has taken control of you. And we will uh, pause it there at the end of that passage. So we were given another story, um, a real life kind of experience from Eckhart. And we mentioned earlier, or I mentioned my liking of the stories and the teaching points of that. And where he talked about the return of the pain body. So in this passage there was two sort of main points that were made uh, the first being the the kind of continuous or pain body of the of the customer in the restaurant who had a sort of pain body reaction to the food and then and then came back and wasn't done the pain body wanted more and there was Eckhart's own acknowledgement of the universal pain body. Not sure if at the time there was a personal pain body for him, but and just want to highlight a couple of sentences as Eckhart uh, narrated this story. And he says here that now he was shouting at the other guests too, but for some strange reason, ignoring me completely as I sat in intense presence. I find that quite reassuring and quite inspiring there too. I can kind of mention myself of people being very angry or pain body reactions when driving especially and it's it's nice to read sort of Eckhart's own 
personal actions he took during that time. And it re-emphasizes that as well when we come across a uh, pain body, when it's either directed to us or it's, it's closed by, that there's usually very little to do there. You can't talk back to a pain body. But by being in intense presence, it allows you, it almost keeps you protected from having an emotional reaction yourself in that way that it triggers your own pain body. And being in a ten intense presence, if there's anything that needs to be done, it, it can be done from there. If there's anything that needs to be said, it can be said from there. And then we moved on to the a passage of the pain body in children, which I thought was incredibly insightful for those who are parents or interact with children and who have family, younger children. That's sure it's something everyone can take something from. And there were some great instructions there as well about the type of questions to ask the child and to also the caution of not telling the child about the pain body but to allow the child to almost openly experience it, not to give it a concept because I can imagine the you know telling the child this is what this is it's, it, there may not be the awareness to not label and to take that as a concept but to almost feel a direct experience of what it is and allow the child to to recognize it within themselves so as Eckhart says as it happens again and again soon there'll be more awareness a stronger awareness and a weakened pain body but, and it's it's a great way for the child to to feel empowered by that as well to you know, if he uses his own language to come up with a name so it and a sentence I highlight from this passage was to let your attitude be one of interest or curiosity rather than one of criticism or condemnation. Hmm. And there's a quite a funny um, sentence at the end which is uh, I'm sure it's been true for many different people where the child has pointed out to you about your pain body so it says here, one day you may find that the child is the one to point out to you that your own pain body has taken control of you. <laughs> so I'm going to leave uh, the reading there. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I wish you well in this moment and I'll speak to you again very soon. 
Take care.